0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. I'm really happy to be here. My name is Evan Curry. I'm not the dean of the school of business. That is my father. Uh, He is smarter than I am and better looking. So you get to see him more often. So that's really fantastic for you guys. Uh, My history at Cairn, um, I was a student here. I sat in the back. Guys, we made it. We're up front now. We did it. I sat in that corner in the back, every chapel, every time, without fail, made comments about the preacher, laughed at the worship teams. And somehow they, I got through all that, and now I'm here on stage. I worked as a resident director in this famous, infamous, potentially uh, a place in the Chronicles of Narnia called Pendell Apartments. And then I did that for four years, and I was director of residence life for another three and a half um, before I felt the call to plant a church. Liberty Northeast is uh, in Northeast Philadelphia, about 15 minutes south of here. Northeast Philadelphia is now the most underserved, under church section of Philadelphia. One in five people in Northeast Philadelphia were born outside of the United States, and um, Jesus needs to be there. So we decided we wanted to start a church there. Doesn't mean the devil's going to like it, but we did it anyway. And so we seek to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for Northeast Philadelphia. Later this semester, you'll have Jared Ayers. He comes from Liberty Center City. Uh, That is one of our sister churches. And so you get the privilege of having two of us speak this semester. And today, I would like you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Matthew chapter 3. Today, I would like to talk about freedom in the King. In our culture, freedom has has become such a buzzword. Everybody wants to be free. Free to be myself, be free to speak my truth, be free to make myself happy, free to express myself in my way, the way I want with my body. I want to be able to express myself on social media without anybody Coming back at me, I want to be able to say whatever I want about anything at all points. I want to be free. And if you were to ask the average person in your residence hall or in your neighborhood, what does it mean to be free? What is freedom? What would they say? Would they agree with the dictionary, which says that freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint? Or would they agree with the great cultural prophet of our day, Meek Mill? Yes, that's right. I know who he is. What's free? Free is when nobody else could tell us what to be. Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. He says it a lot better than I do. Would they agree with Meek Mill? What does it mean to be free? What does, more importantly, the Bible say about this subject? What does the Bible say about freedom? The Bible says that true freedom comes only, only in being right with God. You need to be free. Look at Matthew 3, verses 1 through 6 with me. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing, their sins. These people from Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan know that if they want to be free, they need to be right with God. And they need to be free from his coming judgment. So the people are coming out to John to repent, confess their sins and be baptized. And who's John, by the way? John the Baptist is how we typically refer to him. It's actually better translated, John the Baptizer. So if you're a Baptist, I'm sorry, he's not one of you. He, maybe he would go to your church, I'm not sure. I'm Presbyterian, we, tend, we sprinkle babies, so that's your thing. You can dunk people if you want, but when we get to heaven, you'll figure out that we're right. Just, okay, it's all right. The body of Christ is good, we're good, all right? The body of Christ has an arm. The body of Christ makes jokes. Everybody's okay. So John, he's free. From Luke's gospel, we know he's Jesus' cousin. But from Matthew, we see that he's a prophet who wears clothes and eats food like the ancient prophet Elijah. And he's leading people into the wilderness to go through the waters of the Jordan like the exodus of Egypt. But John, John's not Moses. Moses. He's pointing to a greater one, a greater Moses who will come. Who we know, if you've read this story or you're familiar with the story, we know that that person is Jesus. John, at this point, doesn't seem to know that Jesus is coming, that this is who he's talking about. And he's the voice from Isaiah 40 that tells the people about the great coming comfort of God to pardon sin and end the oppression of their enemies. John is seen as a prophet promised by God to come and help usher in God's judgment on evil and sin so they're preparing themselves. So that when God comes to judge his enemies, which at that time they're saying God's enemies are the Romans and anybody who's wicked and evil in Israel. Those people are now being baptized by John so they can be free from God's judgment and they'll be right with God. Jewish people in that time would have been accustomed to Gentiles or non-Jews being baptized into Judaism. But John's baptism is different because he's calling Jewish people to be baptized into Judaism, true Judaism. So these people who by birth are supposedly right with God, to, he calls them to repent and be baptized and be made right with God. So what's revolutionary about John's baptism is that he's saying that Jews and Gentiles are in the same boat. Both deserve God's judgment. And so their repentance and baptism will make them right with God and help them escape that judgment. The people are committed to freedom. But being free requires three things. It requires inconvenience... It requires repentance, and it requires that you're cleansed. See, it's inconvenient. To be free is inconvenient. The people leave their homes. Think about this. They leave their homes and go into the wilderness so they can be free. Being truly free, look at me right now, is not going to be convenient. You have to work at it. If you want to be truly free, it's not going to feel good all the time. And it's going to be inconvenient, but it's necessary for freedom. And also you have to repent. Repent, John says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent in that day meant not only repenting of your sins, but repenting of every other agenda you have to bring about the kingdom of heaven which is God's rule on earth as it is in heaven, right? It, God's kingdom is not something we go to when we die. The kingdom of heaven is not something we go to when we die. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that the kingdom of heaven comes to us. In Revelation, the, God's kingdom will come to earth. And so the same is true for us today. If you want to be free, if I want to be free, I not only need to repent of my sins, But I also need to repent of every other way I'm trying to make myself free. Freedom is gained through swapping out my agenda, your agenda, for God's agenda. And cleanse. The people are being baptized. Being truly free means that you allow God to cleanse you from the things that don't honor him. We need to step out in faith into the waters and allow God's cleansing power to wash over us. But you might be asking, okay, if it's inconvenient, I have to repent and I have to be cleansed, why would I want to do that? Well, simply because God's way is better than yours. God's freedom means being right with him. It means... Eternal security, it means purpose. God's freedom drives us to love him and love others more completely. It brings joy. It brings a promise that God will never leave you nor forsake you and so much more. But if you aren't right with God, you won't be free. And you'll be susceptible to counterfeit freedom. We settle for counterfeit freedom. We do. Look at verse seven. Now John, excuse me, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There are so many things that we think will make us free that actually leave us in bondage. You know, I think about this a lot of times um, in the world of credit cards. In the world of credit cards, there's just something they call fine print. And i often get these, you know, since I bought a house particularly, I would get all these, all of a sudden, I get all these people who want me to sign up for their credit cards. And, you know, like you take, you'll get one that says, all right, you're gonna have 0% interest for six months. Doesn't that sound great? You could buy anything you want, and it's gonna be 0% interest. No problem, for the first six months and you can transfer all your other credit card debt to that credit card for 0% for six months. Doesn't that sound great? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Let me jump into this right now. Let me just take all my credit card debt. Yes, I take the whole lump sum of it, and I just throw it into this credit card. But I forgot to read the fine print, which tells me that the credit card's gonna jump up to 28% interest after six months. And now they got me. See, what I thought was gonna make me free put me in bondage. Because I took a shortcut. Pharisees and Sadducees rely on things that they think will make them right with God that actually keep them in bondage. They come to see what John is doing in the wilderness. They're observers. They aren't committed. Observers of freedom will never be right with God. Observers rely on counterfeit freedom and deceive themselves. And they deceive themselves in three ways. Moralism, politics, and relationship. First, moralism. The Pharisees think that they are more morally upstanding than everyone else. That will make them free. So they don't need to be baptized. In their minds, they have nothing to confess. They keep God's law so well. They do such a good job at this that they actually add extra stuff on it. So they could keep that too. They're more morally upstanding than you. But are they free? Moralism never brings freedom. See, you might be a good person. You might actually be a good roommate. You might actually be a good son or daughter or cousin. Or it might actually be a good student. And You do everything right. But you aren't good enough. You aren't good enough to be in a right relationship with God. God requires perfection, and no one's perfect. What about politics? Well, see, the Sadducees, on the other hand, they rely on their status with the Romans, the oppressors of Israel. So they have this idea that if we can't beat the Romans, let's just join them. And so they think because they're in with Caesar, Caesar will make them free. But politics will never free you politicians let you down. And when you're in bed with a certain political party or candidate, and they go down, you go down with them. History will show us that the Pharisees actually become the rabbinic party. But the Sadducees, after the Roman Empire dies out, they die out too. And what about relationships? Look at verse 9. In your Bibles, John says, Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. See, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees assume because they are children of Abraham, they're in right relationship with God. But like the story of the prodigal son shows us, just because you're born into the father's family doesn't mean your heart's close to him too. So we rely on counterfeit freedoms to make us free. Why? Why do we do that? Because it's convenient. Because I don't have to change my plans. Because that means if I hold to these things, I don't need to be cleansed. just easier. We're just good the way we are what counterfeit freedom are you relying on to make you free that's actually keeping you in bondage is it moralism do you think you're just better than everybody else is it politics well good thing i voted for the winner good thing there'll never be another election ever again is it relationships you think your relationships make you free See, what about things that make you happy for a moment but ultimately drive you to feelings of guilt and shame? See, sin's convenient. Nothing has to change. Nothing has to be cleansed. But it won't make you free. Repentance, on the other hand, requires much of us. But it will make us right with God, and it will make us free. See, true freedom is only found in the King Jesus. Look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But John ans- Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when John was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus comes to be baptized by John, and John's surprised. Why? Why is he surprised? Because I'm I'm sure that the trip from Galilee to the Jordan is pretty inconvenient. But Jesus truly has nothing that needs to change. Jesus truly has nothing that needs to be cleansed. He's already in right relationship with God. So why does Jesus come to be baptized? Jesus comes to be baptized because he comes on the behalf of the people. Jesus knows that the only way for the people to be free, to be truly free, is for him to go through what they need to go through on their behalf. He must fulfill all righteousness. He must identify with the people in their baptism so that they might be righteous in God's eyes. He's in right relationship with God on behalf of the people and receives the benefits of being in right relationship with God so that they can have the benefits too. And so Jesus is commissioned by the Father by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and is affirmed by the Father as his beloved Son. See, you and I, as much as we would like to be free, as hard as we try, can only go so far. So Jesus has to do it for you. Because only he can fulfill all righteousness. Jesus obeys the law perfectly perfectly. Dies in my place, he receives the curse I deserve, and I get the blessings he deserves. Did you hear that? I don't know if you heard that because none of you high-fived your seatmate. Jesus, I'm gonna stand in. Thank you. One of you is listening. Jesus obeys the law perfectly. He receives the curse you deserve. You receive the blessings he deserves. There we go. Better. Working together. See, Jesus here in Matthew 3, he obeys God's law perfectly. He steps into the waters on behalf of the people and receives affirmation and commissioning from the Father. And in the cross, my sin is transferred to Jesus. And so my sin is laid on him on the cross. But in our redemption, which comes through faith in Jesus, his righteousness is transferred to me. He gets my sin. I get his righteousness. So through faith in Jesus, we receive the benefits of this transfer. Jesus, who does not need to change, who does not need to be cleansed, he has nothing to repent of, he's cursed. And we who do need to change, who do need to be cleansed, who deserve to be cursed, become right with God. And we're made free. Don't you want that? Like, isn't there something inside of you that says, yes, I want that See, at our church, I've been able to see people finally grasp this. And I had one guy I was talking to, I said, "Hey man, now that you understood that in Jesus in his death, your sin is transferred to him, and his righteousness is transferred to you. You've been holding on to these counterfeit freedoms of relationships. You're trying to make win everybody's approval, everybody's love, when you come to terms with this, how do you feel? And he looks up at me with freedom in his eyes, and he says, the pressure's off. Wouldn't it be great to live like that, where the pressure's off of you? When you put your faith in Jesus, the pressure's off. Because Jesus' righteousness is transferred to you, and you can live free. So you're commissioned by the Holy Spirit, and by the Father through the Holy Spirit, You share in Christ's anointing. You live like he did. You speak like he did. You serve like he did. And you're affirmed as God's son. Live knowing that, that when God looks at you, he sees you as his son, not his enemy. And he's pleased with me. God is pleased with you, not because of what you did. You cannot do anything to make God happy. God is happy with you because of what Jesus did for you. So live free. You can look at moralism. You can look at politics. You can look at relationships differently then. If you aren't good enough, You keep failing, you keep trying, you keep failing. It's okay. Jesus was perfect for you. And it doesn't matter if your political party's in charge. Because the kingdom of heaven never fails, will never be voted out, and God will always reign. And it doesn't matter what others say about you. Because of Jesus, God calls you his beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is offering you freedom today. Wouldn't it be marvelous to be free? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this university, and I thank you for these students. I thank you for people who serve faithfully. The staff and the faculty who serve faithfully, who are well overworked and well underpaid. I thank you for them. I thank you for the students who serve faithfully to make this school great. But we thank you that we do this out of gratitude for how faithfully Jesus has served us. So we thank you for him. Lord, I ask that for all of us here in this room and everyone we come in contact with would know what it's like to live freely, to experience true freedom that can only come through Jesus. I thank you that in his death, My sin is transferred to him. His righteousness is transferred to me. And I can be free. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.